The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. All talk here in Washington, D.C. turns to President-elect Joe Biden's administration. Speaker Pelosi has beat the political odds and reclaimed the gavel. We're talking right now about 2024 jockeying amongst Republicans. Bloomberg Sound Off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. Biden has promised again and again that he will unite the country. The only way things happen is if Republicans and Democrats work together. Unfortunately for President-elect Biden, this is a time when he's getting the most support he's going to get in the Democratic Party. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. Ready, set, showtime. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. We've got a jam-packed hour. We begin tonight with sound on tape from President Donald Trump, who urged Georgia election officials to find, his words, find thousands of votes and recalculate the election result to flip the state to him. It's an extraordinary effort to strong-arm fellow Republicans as he tries to dispute Joe Biden's election win just now 48 hours until the senate and the congress is set to certify those election results take a listen all i want to do is this i just want to find uh 11,780 votes which is one more than we have Meanwhile, President-elect Joe Biden set to be delivering a speech in Georgia just within the next uh, several minutes. We'll be monitoring for those headlines. And Vice President-elect Kamala Harris is slamming President Trump for his call with Georgia's Secretary of State. Here she is. And it was a bald, bald-faced, bold abuse of power by the President of the United States. Joining me with me, Rick Davis, a Bloomberg contributor, partner at Stone Court Capital, and former campaign manager for John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign, and Joe Crowley, a former New York congressman and, of course, former Democratic caucus chairman. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, both for being here. Rick, I'll start with you. I mean, we go through this, and the Republican senators who have come out saying that they are going to essentially follow President Trump's lead now versus Republican leadership in the Senate, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senator John Thune, Mitt Romney, others. This is unprecedented. Yeah, it's really, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, quite a unique circumstance. Uh, we haven't seen it really in the modern era of politics. Uh, we thought initially it was just going to be a group of rabble-rousers in the House. And, of course, if you're a House member, you're supposed to be a rabble-rouser. So it was kind of expected that the GOP would raise hell in the House. Uh, but this idea that a, a fellow like Ted Cruz, who ran for president against Donald Trump, was embarrassed at the national convention at the time by Trump uh, personally, and a, his wife attacked by the president during the campaign— would actually become the president's chief, uh, I would say, partner in this effort to overturn a valid election in the United States Senate. And as you said, incurring the wrath of Mitch McConnell, if, if the elections go the GOP way tomorrow, you can anticipate that 
Senator Cruz will probably get some interesting new office accommodations somewhere outside the Capitol. Well, just the <laughs> dynamics. And we're going to head to Capitol Hill later this hour with Congressman French Hill because the dynamics of the Republican Party, of which he's a member of, he represents a district in Arkansas, it's, it's fascinating to watch it just really unfold. Before I bring in Joe, let me go back to you, though, uh, on this specific question. I made this point earlier to Tom Keene on Bloomberg Surveillance this morning. This is all about 2024. Senator Ted Cruz is, is, is laying down a marker and saying, if you are a part of President Trump's base, come with me in 2024. What's the political risk for him, though? And what is the political risk for those who are opposing President Trump's assertion as we are at the starting line of a, of a new cycle? Yeah, and, and Kevin, I would add, it's sooner than 2024. I mean, the party will lose its chief uh, leader in Donald Trump when he leaves office this month and technically just in a couple days. And and Ted Cruz is looking at that vacuum right away and saying, I want to fill that. And exactly what you said, Kevin, but with the Donald Trump Republican supporters, right, who have been told by the president all through this post-election period that he was cheated out of a win. And so I think you're seeing actually a fissure in the Republican Party. You see the leadership in Mitch McConnell, uh, the majority of the House Republicans being opposed to raising objections to the electoral confirmation that'll that'll happen tomorrow or Wednesday, and and yet you see these other Republicans who see an opportunity to make common cause with these Trump voters who are very clear they want Donald Trump to stay in office by hook or crook. And they're throwing them some bait to see if they can get them to look their way. Joe Crowley, come in here, because when I talk to uh, some Republicans, what they tell me is that this is a much more nuanced in the sense uh, a, a, a debate that's being had in the Republican Party, that there are Republicans who feel that they would like to see a commission established to look into voting irregularities. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell himself has come out in favor of that. Would it be a mistake, Joe, for the Democrats, especially centrist Democrats, to not take a hard look at an opportunity to look at structural changes and protections to the integrity of uh, the U.S. democratic system? Well, Kevin, uh, you know, this election has been called the safest election in modern history. Uh, after all we've gone through with the attempts by Russia and other foreign entities to disrupt our electoral process, um, th these elections were fair. These elections were, during this pandemic, uh, you know, criticizing the use of mail-in ballots when people were dying. Uh, it really makes absolutely no sense. You know, there, there's the, 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 the small amount of irregularities that take place, and these are human beings who do these things. Now, there's, not this, there's not this cohesive uh, and, and massive voter fraud uh, connecting uh, connectivity going throughout the United States. It's simply not happening. So to play into that, I think, also uh, is, is an attempt to undermine the, undermine the democratic process and the results of this election. You know, Rick has made, I think, some really, really good points. And uh, you brought into the other aspect. You know, these Trump voters, there's, that, there's this play for them. You know, the House members are supposed to be a little more erratic and, you know, control some bombs. But you really have to look at the Senate and be incredibly disappointed. As, you know, as, as Rick had mentioned, Senator Cruz, for instance, the man attacked his father, his wife. And yet he's willing to play this game because he wants to ingratiate himself further with the Trump voters. And, you know, for the lack of a McCain uh, for these many, many, many months uh, since his passing, you started to see the inklings 
of some folks stepping up, like my friend John Thune. John has, has started the show, <clears throat> so he has some backbone there. Uh, even Mitch McConnell is saying this. But I think the one to watch here is Liz Cheney in the House, because she has been steadfast, I think, on this point for quite some time, and has taken some criticism for it as well. You know, these are some of my favorite people in the world, but at the same time, when they're standing up and saying the right things and doing the right things, you've got to stand up for them as well. You know, I think it's important to note and to provide a preview and, and to get rid of all of the political noise. And what we do so well here at Bloomberg is to really kind of look at what we are expecting to happen on Wednesday. And at about 1 p.m. New York time is when the uh, uh, the procedures for certification of the electoral vote will begin on Wednesday in a joint session of Congress. Now, there are a handful of swing states in which that Republicans, some Republicans have raised uh, concerns over uh, are alleging voter irregularity. In order to have a two-hour debate around those states, both a representative from the House and the Senate have to make that proposal. And so that could mean you're looking at the official certification not happening until Wednesday evening, very late in the day or even the early morning uh, of Thursday. Now, the reason this is such a, a, a virtually no chance of this ever getting upended is because both chambers, the Senate and the House, would have to vote to in, in accordance to say that a particular state is invalid. Now, coming up, we're going to have a much more conversation about all of this. But, Rick, a lot of the chatter in Washington, D.C., we mentioned Senator Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Mitt Romney, Vice President Mike Pence. Vice President Mike Pence is going to be overseeing all of this on Wednesday, Rick. And I can tell you, his staff, his political orbit, the Nick Ayers of the world are all trying to say, what can he do? And the 12th Amendment is very clear. The 12th Amendment says he has to, quote, count. That's the word utilized, count the votes. He doesn't have to decide anything. He has to say, is that five of five? Am I wrong? No, you're, you're exactly right. First, let me shout out to, to Joe Crowley, who made mention of John McCain. Thank you very much for invoking his memory here. It actually is pretty material because when you look at all these people, who are arguing against this election, you really want to go back to the old John McCain, putting your country ahead of your own political ambitions. That test should be applied to everybody in the news today and see how they fare against that. But you're right. It, it, in this case, uh, it's a ceremonial role. It's pretty clear, as you point out, constitutionally, there's not an ability for him to object for him to change the numbers, that's actually the role you point out, that the members themselves are the only ones who can raise objections in this process. And then it follows a very strict set of rules as to how you can raise this objection in writing. You have to have a certain number of people do it in either the House and the Senate. And, and then there is a very strict adjudication of that. And the votes by anybody's count, are not there. So this is an exercise. Exactly. It's an exercise with every camera, microphone, and oh yeah, social media watching from the eyes, not just of the entire country, but the entire world. Much more coming up next. We head on down to Georgia. I'm Kevin Cirilli. This is Bloomberg. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. 
It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. We're going to head on down now to Georgia, where, of course, the runoff election is uh, set to take place tomorrow. If you're looking for a neat narrative, you won't find it, most likely, in the Peach State, because election officials are already saying it could take anywhere from 24 to 72 hours in order to count all of the votes. There's been, like in the November elections, a dramatic increase in the number of early votes that have already been cast, upwards of like 3 million, some estimates, and 31% of the black vote, an increase. And actually, some political scientists are saying that the black turnout is already outpacing the November elections, which pollsters are suggesting could be a good sign for Democrats. But President Trump, uh, in the last 48 hours especially, really making every effort to really get out the vote and the base uh, in in the state of Georgia. I'm joined by Rick Davis, a Bloomberg contributor, partner at Stonecore Capital, former campaign manager for John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign, and Joe Crowley, a former New York congressman and Democratic caucus chair. Uh, Joe, coming up, we're going to hear from Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez, but I got to be candid. The Democrats that I'm talking to have swung from we're the underdogs to we actually could win this thing in Georgia. What changed? Joe? Uh, not the least of which. The, oh. Joe Crowley, you're with me. I'm here. I am. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear uh, you loud and clear. Go ahead. I hear you. All right. You're you. on. I think a couple. I think a couple things have changed. Uh, one of which is certainly the president's continuing uh, to 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 question uh, the results of the elections in Georgia, writ large nationally, but Georgia specifically. Um, that he lost Georgia. That the senators uh, got into this runoff in the first place. Uh, undermining the process itself. I think that has certainly been a factor. I think um, his playing games with the, uh, with the, with the COVID response bill and, and calling for $2,000 as opposed to $600. All these things have really combined uh, to, to, to cause, um, a, you know, a, a circus atmosphere. And then you add to that, Kevin, you add this phone call. <laughs> uh, and now I'm told that the uh, U.S. attorney for Georgia, um, uh, Mr. Pack, has resigned as of today. Who knows what the fallout of all this will be? Uh, you know, he doesn't want to have to prosecute a sitting president or, or investigate a sitting president. I mean, so many things have happened that I think that is what's added to, you know, the, the circus atmosphere in Georgia. And I think the early voting has, has certainly favored Democrats. We know we know that Election Day will favor Republicans more so. Uh, but the, it, it's, it's just every day when, when you think it can't get any crazier, it just gets crazier. 
You know, uh, Rick, Joe just mentioned that 62-minute phone call. We've actually got another sound on tape from that particular phone call in which President Trump is saying that the voter, he's saying that actually voters will be suppressed in the Republican Party because they don't have confidence in the election. Take a listen to what he said. The people of of, uh, Georgia know that this was a scam. And because of what you've done to the president, a lot of people aren't going out to vote. And a lot of Republicans are going to vote negative because they hate what you did to the president. Okay, they hate it. Is he, in fact, hurting Republican turnout by making that comment, Rick? Well, he's made this comment over and over since election night, right? I mean, he has actually made it his uh, entire presidency since election day to undermine the election integrity because he lost. And I understand his motivation. He doesn't want to have lost a legitimate and fair election. He wants to keep his base around him regardless of whether he's serving as president or not. But the reality is there's nobody more to blame about election integrity than the doubts that have been sowed by uh, President Trump and Rudy Giuliani and the cast of sort of Republican misfits that have signed on to these kind of stories because the evidence that they've presented to back up this kind of quote by him in this telephone conversation uh, have been thrown out of every court that they've been contested in. And so where's the truth? Rick, take us to like Georgetown's Cafe Milano. Let's say you're sitting down with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and you're going over strategy to try to win back control of the United States or to keep control of the United States. (laughs) Let's not give it away just so (laughs) quick. (laughs) Do you want President Trump down there? Is he an asset to the the Republican Party in Georgia? he's a total distraction. And being there today, the day before the election- You don't think it helps. Is a complete disaster. So what you look at here is you say, is it better for us to have it as a national election or a local election? And here you've got a very popular guy, uh, David Perdue, who's been senator for quite some time. He has great numbers in the state. People like him. He's He's done nothing to really upset a voter in the state. I mean, obviously, Democrats want a Democrat, but Republicans are the dominant demographic there. And, and, And under any other normal circumstance, he could be probably serving out the rest of his life in that Senate seat. But what has happened is the the president turned a red state blue by his campaign in Georgia in the general election. The unfortunate part of David Perdue is his his vote tracked Trump's and he lost by it lost I mean he didn't get over 50% by just enough to have to throw it into this this kind of a recount or an, another election. And so so he wants a local election where he's the one who's being decided not nationalizing it as if this is some kind of referendum on Trump. Uh, but Trump doesn't like that. So in, in his event today, he's going to be all about Trump, all about voting irregularity, which just suppresses his own vote. And it's it's going to be remarkable. And again, if you're trying to glean when we might have some clarity from uh, the Georgia runoff, it might take up to anywhere from 72 hours. Coming up next, we check in with Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez and Congressman French Hill. I'm Kevin Cirilli. This is Bloomberg. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. You ready for Wednesday, folks? The certification of the election I mean, you'd have to dust off your Constitution, go all the way back to 1876 when Rutherford B. Hayes beat Samuel J. Tilden. Hayes was a former governor of Ohio, a two-time House member, and a staunch abolitionist and someone who actually represented uh, slaves in court, a staunch abolitionist back uh, and he ended up winning that election, and that's where we got the the political playbook, so to speak, of what the rules are going to be refereeing the certification process on Wednesday. I'm thrilled now to welcome to, back to the program Congressman French Hill. He is a Republican from Arkansas, representing some parts of suburban Arkansas. It's great to have you on, Congressman. I know we usually talk policy, but on a week where the markets even are reacting to so much of the volatility coming out of the politics, I got to ask you, what are you preparing for on Wednesday as a Republican House member? Well, Kevin, it's great to be on with you today, and it's always nice to have the warm-up act be a garbage truck fire in Manhattan to talk <laughs> politics. <laughs> Hopefully the segment doesn't become one. Go ahead, Congressman. No, I got <laughs> no it. No pressure. No, uh, well, listen, uh, this is important. A lot of Americans are uh, upset with the outcome of the election. They wanted President Trump to win. President Trump went to court, tried to determine if there was any voting irregularity where he could win the race. But the only mission uh, that Congress has, according to that 1887 act you just cited, is to certify the count, open and count the certified votes from the electors around the country. And that'll be happening tomorrow. All eyes will be on that that count. But fundamentally, it's not going to, in my view, uh, result in a change in the outcome of the election. So Rick Davis is with me. He's a partner at Stonecourt Capital. He is also, of course, a Bloomberg contributor, managed John McCain's presidential campaign. There's that word count that we were talking about earlier in the 12th Amendment, that the vice president, Mike Pence, in this case, he is not in charge of saying whether or not there were voting irregularities. He is not in charge of saying whether or not he believes the allegations that the president has made. He is only in charge of counting, Rick. Yeah, and what is he counting? He's counting electors. And uh, uh, Congressman, it was really interesting that you would point out sort of where we are in this process. Um, I know that in the House, uh, there's quite a debate going on with uh, in our own caucus, the Republican caucus, is to you know, the band of Republicans who have decided to uh, object to the uh, outcome of the election and the electors that are being presented. Uh, what kind of discussions are you having in that caucus, and, and, and how do you see 
this moving forward, will there be uh, a, uh, a demand for a uh, appeal to these electors? And, and how will your leadership handle it? Well, I think uh, it's clear now that there are senators and members of the House that will object potentially to the electors from some of the swing states like Georgia or Pennsylvania. And what uh, takes place then, according to that, uh, uh, the House president and that uh, Elector Count Act of 1887, is there'll be two hours of debate on uh, each of those states and then a vote to accept the electoral uh, elector count or not. Uh, and I expect that to be a very extended debate. Uh, each member can speak up to five minutes per objection. So if you have four states objecting, then you can see two hours uh, per state. But you're right about the vice president. The vice president's job is a ministerial one, not a policy job. He is there to uh, make rulings from the chair, uh, which, again, can be very minimal, uh, and do the roll call of the states and, and see if there's an objection. I want to get into the weeds here now because Speaker Pelosi has actually changed some of the rules for the next Congress. And I understand that you've got some reservations about that. Can you explain from a policy standpoint how that's going to impact decision makers from enacting policy, Congressman? Yeah, when you're in the minority in the House, there's an old adage uh, left over from uh, Speaker Reed in the 1890s. Uh, the majority uh, runs the House and the minority watches. So, however, the minority does have rights. We can call witnesses. We can participate in debate. We can uh, participate by trying to amend bills put forward by the majority. And what Speaker Pelosi has done uh, is she has blocked the minority's number one ability on House floor debate, which is the motion to recommit a bill. That is, send the bill back to a committee uh, with an amendment. And she has removed that from the House rules. The Democrats passed their House rules package today. She's also limiting any posting of video material by a member or a staff member in the House and says it could be an ethics violation if someone in the, in the uh, uh, Pelosi power regime says that it was inappropriate or misleading. Now, think about that level of First Amendment censorship both ways on the House floor. Pelosi, with her narrow majority, is reducing debate, reducing opportunities for the minority voice to be heard on the House floor. It's going to be fascinating just to see how all of that impacts uh, a committee that, of course, you serve on, the House Financial Services Committee, especially if there's going to be another battle in President-elect Biden's first 100 days over more fiscal relief. And, Congressman, I know you'll come back on and join, join us when those conversations begin in earnest. Happy New Year, Congressman, and thank you uh, for coming on. Remember, folks, you can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Coming up, the chairman of the Democratic Party, Tom Perez. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent from Bloomberg TV and radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. 
at Stiefel. It's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. Rick Davis is with me. Uh, and we're now joined by the chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Tom Perez. Mr. Chairman Perez, thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to take it right to Georgia. Are you on the cusp of pulling off an upset victory? Well, I think it's going to be really tight, and I, I like our candidates. We are united. They are divided. They're forming circular firing squads. Uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff are talking about jobs, health care, justice. Donald Trump's talking about revisiting the November election results for a fifth time or a sixth time. And so uh, it's going to be razor thin. Uh, we know that. Uh, Joe Biden won uh, Georgia. By about 11,000 votes, we are working hard to make sure we get all our voters out. I'm very heartened by what I see, uh, but I know it's going to be uh, razor thin on, on either side. But I'd much rather be us than them. We're united, and they continue to fight amongst themselves. Well, it's interesting. I mean, even just in speaking with Rick Davis in the uh, earlier in the program, I mean, when he's saying that President Trump isn't an asset uh, to, to going down to Georgia and would be a political liability, it's remarkable. And even in the course of this broadcast, President-elect Joe Biden speaking in Georgia. Take a listen, because we've got sound on this. Take a listen to what he had to say. Here he is. I don't believe your United States senators are going to work for me. They work for the people of Georgia. That's why so I'm it's... not asking your senator to be loyal to me. I believe they should be loyal to you, to Georgia, the United States Constitution, period. So it's been remarkable, Chairman Perez, to see how uh, uh, Raphael Warnock, as well as John Ossoff, are, are essentially running in a more centrist lane while trying to galvanize some of the progressive base. Is that is that a correct assessment? Well, they're, I think they're running. A, they're they're appealing to everyone. They're they're appealing to anyone who wants this pandemic in the rearview mirror. It's not just Democrats who want this pandemic in the rearview mirror. It's all Georgians, and they know that with Raphael Warnock and with John Ossoff and Joe Biden, they're going to have adults in the room who are going to help us bring this pandemic to an end sooner. They want people who are going to protect their health care uh, and help them get their jobs back and. They want people who are looking out for them. I, I think, as the president-elect said, uh, this election isn't about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. It's about the people of Georgia. And and I'm confident Donald Trump is going to go there tonight and talk about himself and, and talk about all of his grievances. And that's not what people want to hear. They want to hear, how are you going to help me? 
It's fascinating, Rick, to hear Chairman Perez's assessment right there, because right there he tried to do what you said to do earlier in the hour, which is make it a local election That's and, right. and versus what the Republican strategy appears to be, which is to make it a national election. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. And, and Chairman Perez, I uh, appreciate your comments there. I want to take it local if I can with my question. I mean, you know, we saw how important intensity was in the general election, and we've already seen yeah. over three million people vote. Uh, early. Uh, now that's over and you can expect to see a crowd show up on Election Day. What are you seeing as far as the intensity of, of your vote down on the ground? And what's your sense of the turnout uh, going to be? This is the old campaign manager for me. I'm looking for numbers. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'd love to get your sense as to what Election Day turnout's going to look like. Yeah, well, we've really focused. Uh, this, this is not a persuasion election. Uh, to right. do campaign speak. This is about getting your base out. And uh, we've spent a lot of time doing that, but we've also, toward that end, made sure that we've been talking to people who uh, we know would vote for us but didn't vote in November, and over 100,000 people. About a, uh, my last count, about 115,000 people voted early who didn't vote in the general election. And what's interesting about that, Rick, is 56% of those voters were non-white. Um, and that tells me that the work we're doing in places like the 5th Congressional District, and for your listeners, the 5th Congressional District is John Lewis's old district, now uh, held by uh, a good friend, Nakima Williams, and she was working really hard uh, to get out voters who uh, didn't vote in November, but we know that if we get them out, we're going to get them to vote for the Democrat. If you look at uh, our, our outreach to young people, we know that young people will skew heavily toward the Democratic candidates, and I'm heartened to see that the percentage of young people uh, is up. So, Well, we I have, am, Chairman Perez, can I just interrupt you on that yeah. one point? Because yeah. we do see a pretty heavy vote by the elderly population. People over 65 make up the largest individual demographic segment, and we know they tend to skew uh, Republican. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious. I mean, literally, uh, with the early vote, yeah. uh, there's almost a 10 percent increase over each age group as you get uh, higher and higher into elderly right. Uh, as far as turnout. So if you could address that a little bit, because will will those elderly be uh, Republican voters in the general election? A lot of them turned out for the president or for the president-elect Joe Biden. President-elect, right. I mean, and and here's why. Uh, Who's dying disproportionately with COVID? It's it's people in uh, nursing home facilities. It's seniors. And they want to get a handle on this. Uh, I, I did a lot of outreach during the general, and uh, what I heard most frequently from seniors is, I want to see my grandchildren. i got to get this in the rearview mirror. And the incompetence of this president uh, is preventing us from putting this in the rearview mirror. And so you're absolutely right. When you look at the numbers, uh, Joe Biden uh, more than held his own with uh, seniors, and I think you're going to see uh, some similar numbers here tomorrow with uh, Democratic performance among seniors because it, the, the coronavirus is front and center for them. And the just, competence of this president is, is what they're going to see. 
If you're just joining us, we're joined by uh, Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez uh, speaking with Rick Davis, a Bloomberg contributor and the former campaign manager to John McCain. I feel like I'm George Denny hosting America's Town Meeting of the Air, watching these two peers <laughs> have such a nuanced conversation about politics. It's truly a privilege. And I have to say, it's a little bit fun as well. Uh, Chairman Perez, what's your next move? Are, you've said you're, you're not going to go for another term for... Uh, for the Democratic National Committee. Can you give us, just between us, Mr. Chairman, what's your next move? What are you eyeing? I have no idea. And uh, <laughs> the reason I have no idea is I'm a big believer in sprinting to the finish line here. You know, I uh, this Georgia election is really important. And I don't want to spend time thinking about what Tom Perez is going to do next. I just, I want to make sure that uh, I am leaving the DNC better off and I found it, and I want to make sure that we sprint to the finish line in Georgia because the difference between 48 and 50, you all know, is night and day. So well, there let's will come go, a time for that. And let's and you'll tell us first. I, I have a, I have a good feeling oh, about that. But let's yeah. let's yeah. <laughs> let's go to 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 Wednesday and the certification. And, and, and do me a favor, just put on your. We, we all know the uh, the talking points and whatnot. But 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 what is the strategy? How will the DNC be handling? The certification day because typically there are political war rooms rapid response teams are is that the team that that you guys are putting together are you treating this as if it is a national election so to speak or even like a presidential debate well no wednesday should be a formality uh el gore lost uh the closest election i think in uh certainly in my lifetime and and in our history and al gore now, this was this day was a formality. This day was a formality four years ago with Joe Biden uh, in the chair presiding. Uh, that's because we have respect for the democratic process, and that's what it should be. But you know, the the 2024 election has already started, and you see, uh, especially among some of these Senate candidates, uh, they want to uh, get an early start on that Trump base. And they want to make sure they know that I'm I'm more Trump than Trump. And uh, I don't care if I am putting democracy at risk. Uh, it, I, I applaud the people like uh, Mitt Romney and um, Senator Sass and Senator Collins and others who are trying to uh, put an end to this. But uh, regrettably, uh, it, the circus is going to come to town on Wednesday. Um, the good news is the circus will last only a couple hours. They will fail, uh, but they continue to try to undermine uh, our democratic institutions and our respect for democracy. We should be having a bipartisan celebration this Wednesday of record turnout. I mean, we, we lost races as Democrats that I thought we were going to win down ballot. Uh, and the reason we lost is because there was really impressive turnout on the Republican side. Uh, I tip my cap to those races where they had that turnout. That's what we should be doing is celebrating record turnout in a pandemic in a bipartisan fashion. But that's All right, we're going to have to happen. we're going to have to leave it there with uh, Chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Tom Perez, uh, and Mr. Chairman. We had Father uh, Martin, uh, Father James Martin, on the show on Friday, uh, and and we were talking just about how it's going to be fascinating to see the second Catholic 
president ever. Uh, and I know you and I share that in common, Chairman. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, Rick Davis, I mean, you just hear it there from the outgoing chairman of the Democratic Party. And in the minute or so less than that that I have left, I mean, the Democratic Party is going to have uh, some interesting conversations over the next week, uh, weeks, too, about their future. They will be, but they will be led by, in those conversations, a sitting president by the end of the month. And anytime you have a party in power, uh, resident in the White House, you're going to get a lot of direction from the top down. And the Democratic Party hasn't had that in the last four years. And so I think this is something that will be new to them. All right, we're going to leave it there. Uh, that does it for me. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. A busy week. And we have every angle covered. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.